0: Good morning, church. Join me in Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Paul, who writes this letter, is a man of of intense zeal and passion. He's a man that has laser focus to a degree that I think often when you read Paul, you kind of maybe you're taken back a little bit or you feel inadequate in uh, yourself. You just look at him and the way that he, he glorifies Jesus, the way that he's focused on Jesus, just causes you to stop and go, man, what am I doing with my life? But, but what you see here in this passion and the zeal that Paul has for Jesus is that is he's longing to redirect our passion for living. For, for, for the church to have this expectation, as he writes, this eager expectation and hope that Christ can be glorified in spaces that we are even currently despising. I had a youth pastor that that would say, never despise anything that brings you to your knees. And what he, what he was teaching there was the space of saying, man, that... that Every space of life, even though God might not be the agent of that pain and that suffering, you can have an expectation and a hope that he can meet you in the most difficult of places. But he can also meet you in the most mundane moments. And when you look at the life of Paul, he's a man that just wills to one thing, and that's Jesus. Jesus. And, and he writes to the church and encourages the church to have that same passion and zeal about us. And you think about it, it makes sense for Paul, because when you look at the, hit, the start of his following Jesus, it's, it started in the most surprising of ways. That as he was on his way, as he was traveling along a road to go and persecute the, the followers of Jesus, Jesus showed up and it just, it surprised Paul. And I think that became formational for him. That became foundational for Paul. That Jesus can be met in the most unexpected of places. And that that means that we can approach life, again, in the most challenging places and the most mundane moments. That we can approach life with this expectation. Jesus can be found here. Our son Tiago, our son Tiago lives life at a 10. On a scale from 1 to 10, he lives life at at 11, at all points. He he chooses his socks in the morning with passion and and fire. There's, There's not a space that Tiago doesn't live in that isn't lived fully into. He gives all that he has and all that he is to everything. He eats loudly. He, he plays intensely. He, he'll stand right in front of us, like face to face, and he yells <laughs> just to tell us about an animal fact, and you're just blown back, and you go, dude, I, I'm right here. I can hear you. He even, he even sleeps intensely. And what I mean by that is you walk into his room after he falls asleep for the night, and you see him sprawled out, blankets are thrown, pillows are on the ground, he's in the most weird uh, position, and you know it was an adventure for Tiago to even fall asleep. But see, we, we need people like Paul and Tiago in our lives. People that will stir us to have eager expectation to approach life in a way that says, man, I can live fully in this moment. I can discover Jesus here fully in this moment. Paul sees the benefit of Jesus. Jesus is what gives life flavor and color. For for, for Paul, Jesus is, is everything. And he wants to know Jesus more fully in every space of of his life. I think for all of us, right, we, we want life to be filled with significance. We want life to be filled with meaning. And sometimes we can be discouraged. Sometimes we can feel like and just stop and ask ourselves the question, is this making any difference? Is there anything of significance and value to be found in my work? In this relationship, uh, in, in just my everyday m- movement, is, is there is there meaning and is there significance to be found here? And and I what I discover here, especially in this section of the Book of Philippians, is is this challenge for me? Is to say, what if I took everything? that I'm currently putting my hands to and everything that I'm navigating in life and I entrust those areas. And so it's not so much about saying, you know, what are the passions and areas of labor and activity that, that I need to eliminate? But it's more about saying, can I take this passion and this activity and this area of labor, and can I live out those areas in Jesus? Can the all of my passions become more alive in Jesus? Maybe it's asked this way: Can I do dishes for the glory of Jesus? Can I fold my can I can I fold my laundry for the glory of Jesus? Can I brush my teeth? Can I make my bed? Can I have a conversation? Can I have sit around the dinner table? Can I do those things for the glory of Jesus? I believe the answer is yes. Yes. And by the way, let me give you a book recommendation. Recommendation. Ch- uh Tish Harrison Warren writes this book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, and I think that it would be a beautiful book as a follow-up to this message. But it's the space of saying, can I take this moment, and can I be in this moment, and even here, turn to a place of trusting in Jesus, and trusting that he can do a good work here, that he might be able to meet me here that I might be able to experience his goodness and his redemption in the most surprising of places? When life is frustrating and seems to be filled with opposition and obstacles, can I discover the work of Jesus even here? Can I focus on him in the most challenging of places and in the most mundane moments? Am I able to grow in my awareness of his presence for me and through me and with me? It's a space of saying, God, I'm, I may not know how this area of my life is making a difference, but nonetheless, I will navigate it for you, for your name, and, for, and with an awareness of your presence here with me. Like Paul writes to us, to the church in Philippi, I have eager expectation and hope. That Jesus will be glorified in my body. My living is for Jesus. My living is for Jesus. To live is Christ. Life is defined by Jesus. Living is fueled by Jesus. Our living revolves around Jesus. the, The life is injected with the life and the presence of Jesus in every space. And I hope that as you hear this, that there's something that gets stirred within you, a a greater realization that there is not a space that cannot be radically transformative or powerful because the living is Christ. Right here, right now, as we breathe in and as we breathe out, it's done so in Jesus. Justice and I, my uh, nine-year-old son, we um, have what we're calling Star Wars Saturdays. And it just means every Saturday we try to find um, either a movie uh, of Star Wars or a TV show. um, And we just enjoy that uh, together. And the last Saturday uh, that we had Star Wars Saturday, we watched Rogue One. And I had seen it before, but man, I love this movie. I bring it up to say there's one character in this movie, and he has this mantra that, that he's constantly repeating. I am one with the force, and the force is with me. I am one with the force, and the force is with me. I'm one with the force, and the force is with me. And he ventures in, to the most challenging of places, places that are threatening to to his life and his well-being but need to be done and need to be ventured into. And as he goes into these spaces, he's chanting to himself, I'm one with the force and the force is with me. And he he propelled to to more intense movement and he moves faster and and with more passion. And as he does, he's chanting, I'm one with the force and the force is with me. And the thing that you you know about this man and becomes so much more intense about it is that he's running into these spaces and he's blind. He can't see and you just everyone else becomes a spectator as they see this man just navigate these spaces and you're just thinking there's no way that you get through that but for him everything every movement of his life was done so with this mantra and without trying to without ruining so much of the movie I'll just, all that I'll say is, is that towards the end of the movie his best friend It's a beautiful moment when he starts taking on that same mantra. And he starts living in a way that is sacrificially and for the sake of others. And as he does so, he acts with great courage and passion. And and the moment that he does, he starts chanting, I'm one with the force and the force is with me. See, what, what Paul is injecting into the life of the church here in this letter is for us to pick up this mantra, this mantra about life. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. That we have eager expectation and hope every space of our lives. That it be this simple moment, this simple place where we stop and we get greater awareness. Jesus is here with me. I am alive in his presence. My living is for him. To live is Christ. To live is Christ. As you even sit and watch this morning as we're engaged here together as a community, we are doing so in the name and in the presence of Jesus. He he fills our ordinary with the extraordinary because everything that we do, is lived in the name of Jesus. To stop and to be present in every moment and just to just say, God, can I discover you here with me? And that that will fill life with so much more meaning and purpose and significance and impact. So I can go in the backyard today and begin to play catch with my son and to be thinking in that moment to live is Christ to live is christ i'm present here in this moment with jesus to live is christ and i'll take us through these three areas fairly quickly but but what paul writes to us here in philippians 1:12 through 26 is there's these three surprising places that paul discovers or teaches the church to discover the way that God is present and active. These places that we might not have expectation for Jesus to meet us in or to do a good work in, it's actually in those places that Paul is helping the church to have this place of of, of expectation and hope God can do something of significance and value here. And the first place is in Paul's imprisonment. He's in jail. And you imagine, like, sitting and thinking about it, before this letter arrives to the church in Philippi, they know that Paul is in jail for preaching the gospel. And what's stirring in the imagination as, as of, of the Philippian church? What, what's happening within their hearts as they know that Paul's in jail? They're probably discouraged. Right? Listen, my family, when we sit around the dinner table, we sometimes play this game, would you rather? It's just this this silly, fun game. You've probably played it before, but it's kind of like, would you rather have ants in your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or would you rather have crickets inside of a really delicious cheeseburger? Right? And you're just like, ah, uh, I don't know. But if you ask the Philippian church, would you rather Paul be in prison? Or would you rather Paul not be in prison and free to go around preaching the gospel? (laughs) It seems like a pretty easy would you rather. I'd probably say, yeah, the latter. I would choose that he's not in jail. And there is this incredibly just surprising moment that as Paul writes to the church, this is what he says. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. It's like what what do you mean this is helpful this is something that you're saying is is actually happy like that has happened to you it's, and it's it's helpful to, to to advance the gospel and and what Paul is doing here would cause a reorienting a reforming in the thinking of the Philippian church Right, to get that kind of note from Paul, that point of encouragement to say, listen, what's happening is actually helping. Because every like the, the police reports, <laughs> the, the judges' verdicts, the words that are on the jailer's mouth, you know what's happening in this moment? They're talking about Jesus. they're they're, they're all recognizing that I'm in here because of the name of Jesus and Jesus is being declared. And it's actually creating a confidence in all the other believers around me that that Jesus is not going to be stopped. And and what he does here is that in that reorienting and that reshaping for their minds and the ways that they're thinking, it's the space of saying, man, what does this teach me? about how God is, can meet me in places of discouragement, in places of disappointment, in places of frustration, in places of loss, in places of pain, in places of suffering? What does it say about the powerful hand of our God that he can take an extremely disappointing and frustrating situation And because of his power and his creativity and his love, he can actually use that for the betterment, the the betterment of, of everyone else around us, and even for our own experience and engagement of his presence. How does that shape our expectations for the ways that God can meet us in every space of our life? Paul is teaching the Philippian church about what it really looks like to place our hope and our expectation in Jesus. It's super pastoral of Paul, right? He's coming. God will meet you in every place. You can place the most frustrating situation in his hands and believe that even from there, he can do a good work. See, the way, the ways of the kingdom of God... Are so pri- surprising and unexpected, at a different point when Paul writes to the Corinthian church, in Second Corinthians, this is what he tells them: "For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. for when I'm weak, then I'm strong." Paul in these places where he is genuinely feeling the weight of hardships, insults, persecutions, calamities, weaknesses, right? Like he's he's genuinely going through those spaces and those are having an effect upon him. But he's constantly learning to say that in those spaces where I am weak, where I don't have enough, that is precisely the space that I see the power, the glory, the love, the goodness of Jesus shine so Brightly in my life, it's also this place of awareness that says the gospel will not be chained. There's no power or authority in the world that will be able to stop the work of God that He's doing in advancing His kingdom in this world. Paul's made glad because others are realizing that that God will not be stopped. Because the irony here is that the more and more that Rome tries to put Paul in chains, the more that they're actually propelling the gospel out into the world. The more that they try to stifle the gospel, it's like the freer the gospel becomes. The more and more that they try to stomp it out, what they're actually doing is kindling it. And it's this place of just realizing God's more powerful, which brings us to that second scenario. Paul is writing and saying, "Listen, there is these people that are that are trying to stir up trouble for me. They are misusing the name of Jesus, and they're misusing the name of Jesus for their own gain, for for from selfish places." And what's what's incredible about this? Is Paul's not intimidated by it. He he's not he's not in a place where he's going. Oh no. This is this is not going to work out for good. What he ends up doing is he ends up rejoicing because what he's saying is, listen, Jesus is being preached, and what we what we find here in this moment is this: Jesus is the change agent. It's it's not because of human ingenuity or creativity or charisma. It isn't because it isn't because of our creativity. It isn't because of our power. It isn't because of our efforts that that lives are changed. But it is the spirit of God that's doing a work in the lives of humanity, right? That that's causing change in the world around us. And so, for what, what Paul does here in this moment is he's teaching the Philippian church to have this expectation that God will be the one that does the change in people's lives. And so, if there are these men that are going out and they're Using the name of Jesus, Jesus will still do a good work. Jesus will still have his name be known in the world. Jesus will be declared. For Paul, it wasn't about his personal importance. It was about Jesus. That's what will make the difference in people's lives. And, and though the crew of people Paul is referring to are more focused on themselves, they want the spotlight to be on them. Paul has this confidence, this expectation, this hope. People are going to hear the name of Jesus. And that's what will be transformative for their lives. And I think a point of application for us is that we can orient our lives around what Jesus is up to, or we can act out of selfishness and self-flourishing, we it, it, Jesus is—he's is, going to have his name being known, and I have this choice in life, right? He talks about these two different groups of people. There are people that are doing this out of love, and there are people that are doing this out of selfishness. In our own lives, we, we have this choice of uh, that we say, "Which camp will I be in?" You know it's this place of realizing and 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 knowing even more and more this Jesus movement movement is not going to be thwarted it's not going to be stopped so I can we can either live our lives in accordance with this Jesus movement that's happening or we can live in a way that is antithetical to it but but I hope what stirs within us is this place of just saying man I I want to be in accordance. I want to be in alignment. I want my life to look like, look like Jesus. I want my life to be shaped around him. Let me take us, though, to the, to the third area. And it's in the face of death. The results of Paul's time in jail is, has the possibility of execution he very well might be on death row. But what Paul teaches us here on, in a place where he potentially might die for the sake of the gospel is that death would mean an incredible amplification to how he's already living. He's living for Christ. Life is about Jesus. And so for him to live is Christ. For him to live is to experience the fullness of who Jesus is, and to die would be an amplification of that. It it would be an expansion of that. It would would be that the the, the shape and the pattern of his living would be known more fully and perfectly when he beautifully steps into the fullness of Jesus' presence. His living is anchored in Jesus. And if it really does mean that he's on death row, then death would mean even more Jesus. (laughs) But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Paul can't separate his life in Christ from his connection with others. Paul's good is not the sole factor in the equation. What he teaches us is to, to live for Christ. Is that all that we do for Jesus and all that we do within Jesus is intricately intertwined with others. And it makes perfect sense. Jesus' passion and joy is humanity. And so that means that our lives that are defined by our faith focus on Jesus will will mean a growing awareness and concern and love for others. This means that all we do in Jesus will have a residual effect on the lives of others. Life in Christ means life in community. It means a life that longs for others to be more and more aware of Jesus. To live is Christ, and everything that we witness about Jesus is that he lives for others. People are Jesus's joy and delight. So to live, to live as Christ, means to live as Christ for Paul what what the decision here for him and it's not really like he's making a decision will I live will I die but he's 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 weighing it out like I I may live and I may die here as as in my time in jail one of those will be the result of my because of my imprisonment and he says I my my choice would be to live and the reason that he makes that choice is for those that he's in partnership with he wants to, to live as Christ means that his living for Jesus will have this focus and, and this concern for the people around him. Let's wrap up by saying this: What you do, what you're laboring for, what you're going through, what you're navigating, it isn't meaningless. In Jesus. Your effort, your activity in Jesus has significance and value. And so my prayer for you this week is that as as you labor, as you sweat, as you cry, as you laugh, as you simply breathe in and breathe out this week, may you have a growing awareness of Jesus. May he bless the works of your hands this week. Would there be regular times in your week when you stop and acknowledge the presence of Jesus, confessing to him, this is done for you, and this is done in you. It can be washing the dishes. It can be making your bed. It can be presenting a report at work. It can be playing with Legos. All is done for the glory of Jesus a song recommendation for you. And I had it as the countdown music this morning. There's this song by Porter's Gate and it's, and it's called, We Labor Unto Glory. And may that be the posture of our lives. That we say, God, may, may the work of our hands, may, may the focus of our lives, may it be about Jesus. Jesus, our living is for you. It is submitted to you so that you might be known and glorified. We give you every effort this week, and we pray that you would use our effort to encourage and bless others. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen.